Okay. Just a disclaimer, this week's episode is touching upon sexual assault. So if this is something you're not comfortable listening into, please make sure to do so next week. That being said, welcome back. This is a Know Now podcast. My name is Brittany. I'm Daniela. And today we are talking about Juno Diaz, who is a Dominican-American writer, creative writing professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and a fiction editor at Boston Review. He's written books such as The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde, Drown, This Is How You Lose Her, and How to Date a Brown Girl. Juno Diaz is well-known in the um, Latinx writing community and is often idolized because he is a Dominican-American writer. Just a couple weeks ago, uh, April 16th, um, he released a essay, a personal history essay with The New Yorker called The Silence, The Legacy of Childhood Trauma. I never got any help, any kind of therapy. I never told anyone by Juno Diaz. And um, this article was very controversial, mostly because... Um, it was about a male coming out as um, someone who was and has faced sexual assault, which we often don't hear in mainstream media. Yeah, and I think it, it was especially powerful because of his position in the literary world. Um, and his he writes a lot about, I've only read one of his books, but he writes a lot about his culture and what it is to be a man in his culture. Um I encourage anyone who hasn't read it to read it. I don't know if you have little blurbs that you want to share, Brittany, um, but I have one. Okay, so this is just the part that stood out to me the most. And had I read this before um, allegations of sexual harassment had come out about him, maybe it would not have stood out to me. Um, But it did, given what I know. So, But as any Freudian will tell you, trauma is stronger than any mask. It can't be buried and it can't be killed. It's the revenant that won't stop, the ghost that's always coming for you. The nightmares, the intrusions, the hiding, the doubts, the confusion, the self-blame, the suicidal ideation. They didn't go away just because I buried my neighborhood, my family, my face. The nightmares, the intrusions, the hiding, the doubts, the confusion, the self-blame, the suicidal ideation. They followed. All through college, all through graduate school, all through my professional life, all through my intimate life leaked into my writing too, but you'd be amazed how easy it is to rewrite the truth away. Um, I thought this was really powerful because, of course, he went through something extremely traumatic as a child, um, which may possibly explain his actions, but in no way justifies it. Right. Um, And for those who are listening and aren't aware, um, after this article came out, few days later, I would say, allegations of sexual harassment done by um, Diaz were kind of brought up to light. And um, these allegations uh, were showcasing the harm that he has done to women in the literary space um, from the beginning of his own time. So I'm glad you read that expert because I think that's a really good like part of the essay, like turning point almost of the essay where you kind of like you almost feel like the underlying guilt, but also kind of tell that he is alluding to something outside of his own experience with sexual harassment. And I think he calls it the mask. 
ask, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, I think that was a really good passage. Thank you for reading that. Yeah, of course. Um, I think over four women have come forward and uh, said that they were sexually harassed to some extent by Juno, right? Yeah. And so I think that um, their allegations are um, very important and uh, they kind of say something about the cycle of abuse, right? And how the abused um, without health, help, proper help, proper healing, proper acknowledgement of that hurt tend to become the abuser. And I think that's very much so what happens, especially with males or masculine people, um, because what we're taught, right, and what we're conditioned to taught in our culture generally not um, speaking specifically to anything, but generally is that the man, the male are superior, right? And that the males have more power. And um, although that might not have been depicted in the beginning of his um, article, later on, you can kind of tell that he like reclaims it by also, you know, being the abuser. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just think especially, I think men in from any background um, and any culture are held up on this pedestal really where they're supposed to be providers and they're supposed to be strong and they're not supposed to show emotion. You know, at least society imposes this on men. Um, So I think regardless of if we take a step back um, and really just focus on his experience, I mean, I think he was eight years old when he was, uh, raped as a child um and he never spoke up about it because he in that article that he wrote for the new york times he says something about how you know dominican men are supposed to be strong and dominican men don't get raped and he didn't understand how these things could have happened given that he was a dominican male um and he just kind of kept this to himself for the majority of his life and somewhere near the end of uh, the piece that he wrote, he talks about how, uh, you know, he's made such great strides and he goes, now he goes to therapy twice a week and he doesn't drink alcohol and he takes care of himself and he's in a better place. Um, and another piece was written, I'm pretty sure it was by CNN and they were talking about how, okay, there's been this huge movement, you know, the Me Too movement that has called out all these men in powerful positions. Um, and what what do we expect from them now? Like, what is the next step? Of course, you know, and the article says something like, they're beaten down and, you know, made to feel remorse as they should. Uh, but what are the next steps? Uh, because a lot of people actually read this from the Associated Press, I believe. They were saying that, um, they're calling everything that's going on around surrounding Juno Diaz a media harassment campaign. Yes, it is uh, media harassment, but it's because these men are public figures. Um, this is what their lives are. Uh, if this were anything else, he'd be profiting off of this media. Um, and I think, at least from you know the people that I'm around, I think it's really encouraged people to speak up when they otherwise wouldn't. Because, you know, we had these prominent women speaking out and saying, you know, this has happened to me. And it's okay to debunk a man who 
you know, is revered as like this, for example, you know, like a great author and this great Dominican figure. But at the end of the day, he's human um, and he's, you know, apparently done a bunch of harm onto women. Yeah. And I think um, on the topic of uh, the Me Too movement, right, and where we see this going and what is it actually supposed to do, right? And I think that the Me Too movement, just like any other hashtag, is um, a movement to create dialogue, right? Because we always need that discourse before we actually start doing the action in order to properly, you know, reclaim and understand and all that fun things about um, conversations. But I'm not sure if it's necessarily translating that way because of um, who's in charge of the Me Too movement, right? Or what are, not in charge, but rather, what are the faces that we're seeing in the front line of the Me Too movement? And um, I think that uh, this part and this telling of um, Juno um, Diaz is most interesting because um, often we don't get to see the complex reality that is both the Me Too um, that, that Diaz is both the Me Too survivor and the perpetrator, right? And um, the cycle of abuse. Like, I think this is the first time that in media, in mainstream media, we're seeing that conversation, right? And it's not necessarily, like, excusing what Diaz has done because I, I personally think it's um, appalling and I think that, you know, rehabilitation in the sense of, like, mental stability needs to be like implemented here um not only with diaz but with all abusers and all um survivors of that abuse so that's what i personally think but i don't know if that's where we're getting to because often um and now just because of the whitewashing of the me too movement we have now seen what you were talking about like the the kind of the bashing and the blaming and the victimization of women versus the like this is what happens when we don't properly heal and we don't have um the proper mental health services allocated to us and so there's more abuse happening and there's more toxicity happening and trans like um transpiring through our art form through our work because we don't know how to heal and then in turn we are continuously doing the harm and the hurt and so I think that when I first found out about Diaz's um, past of uh, sexual harassment I was automatically like not angry but more in shock and just like disappointed um, as a Dominican person like a Dominican American woman I looked up to Juno and his writing Um, of course I've had my own critiques like at large about it but I just that was some that's one of the very few people I could um look up to as someone who loves to write and loves to read as you know like just like your own like you understand what he's talk I understood what he was talking about because I'm also part of that diaspora you know and I'm also part of that experience so to also hear that he is out here doing the things that he's doing I'm not necessarily surprised but I'm very largely disappointed that someone with his um accolades would even would do something like that without like and also like unknowingly no not unknowingly like we'll do something of this ex- like of this sort having the resources that he has um and the education that he has because you know at the end of the day he does call himself a feminist or has called himself a feminist in the past yeah and that's something that a lot of articles have been really picking apart how he could 
call himself a feminist, but then just lead this double life as most of these men have led. Um, but I think that with, and this is just my personal opinion in these situations, but I think these men have so much power and so much money that they can cover anything up. Um, and I think despite him, you know, being an educated man and being so successful, it doesn't take away the root problem, which is what happened to him as a child and his fear of speaking up and speaking out because of how he was going to be treated from then on. Um, and in that piece that he wrote, he said that, you know, later as an adult, he felt he finally went back and he told all of his friends and his family what had happened to him and that he suddenly, you know, didn't care anymore because it was for his own well-being. But I mean, this took his entire life to finally get to this point. Um, so I I think despite his education, he wasn't educated culturally um, on, you know, the fact that it's OK to speak up. Mm. That too. Um, There's also, so like in terms of, you mentioned a little bit earlier, like what is exactly, what do we do with like from now, right? Like where do we pick up? Like how do we sensibly punish these people that are committing these abusive, toxic, I'm just going to go say crimes because I can't think of another word for it. But um, yeah, so um, Diaz has won a Pilzer uh, prize before, and he's actually on the Pilzer board um, for reviewing like who gets what award and whatnot. And um, there was some discourse online about whether that's okay now that he's like come out, or now that all of these allegations have come out, right? Because in a sense, um, it is toxic to have these men who have. Um, knowingly been abusive to be on these um be on these uh boards and be on these high level of authority because then they could only you know whether it's knowingly or unknowingly punish the the survivor of the abuse right and so there was some conversations about whether he should be removed or not um but he did release a statement um right during the time of this uh, right during the time of the conversation of being quote unquote apology where he doesn't actually apologize and does it through his publicist yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> so I'm going to read that for the listeners so that they're kind of um, also like understanding where we're coming from so um so this is in response to the statement um, via his literary agent, right, his publicist. Um, it says, I take responsibility for my past. This is the reason I made the decision to tell the truth of my rape and the damaging aftermath. This conversation is important and must continue. I'm listening to and learning from women's stories in this ascendant overdue cultural movement. We must continue to teach all men about consent and boundaries. And um, it sounds beautiful, but when you really look at it, <laughs> but also he's a writer, so I mean, and I'm sure his publicist yes, is a really good true. writer because you know, so it's gonna sound really great and you know, like compromising. But let's talk about let's like unpack it a little bit, right? I feel, and I obviously this is up to the reader to interpret it how they wish, but when he says, I take responsibility for my past, uh, I feel like he should 
say that he takes responsibility for his actions because when he said that he takes responsibility for his past, I went back to his rape story um, and taking responsibility for that, which is also not the point and not what should, he should be doing because that was not his fault. Um, and then when he says, this is the reason that I chose to tell the story of my rape and its damaging aftermath, he's trying to excuse his actions because of what he went through as a child. And although, you know, like we've said, what happened to him was absolutely horrible and should never happen to anyone, it doesn't excuse his actions as an adult. Yeah, and I just kind of want to, like, put, you know, in, um, put your actions where your words are, Diaz. Like, you're saying that you understand. You're saying that you're listening and learning. But where are the actions? Why is this the only thing that we've seen come out of all the allegations? Where is your, you know, like, why don't you, like, I would even say, why don't you step down from such, um, from being on the Pilsner Prize um, board? Why don't you elevate other Dominican-American writers that you sexually harassed um, and put them on, you know, to a... to positions and things that you have that you, you know, I think um, at this point needs to step down from in order to heal. And where's like his overall like just genuine concern for the fact that he's done harm? Because it almost sounds from his like he's saying this is what happened to me. This is why I am the way I am was the way I was. Right. It almost sounds like it made me feel like that person, whoever did that should take accountability for it right like that's how I felt when I was reading it and maybe I was projecting a little bit so that's like besides the point but what I'm trying to say is that you made me feel like that person is responsible for your hurt and like you want them to know that right right so why aren't you taking responsibility for the hurt that you've done in a more genuine matter and you I mean, like writing and saying that he knows that's a victim of abuse. That's not enough. Yeah. How does he not even say I'm sorry or I apologize or nothing? There is no. Well, he doesn't have to. He's Juno Diaz, you know. And the fact that um, there's uh, the Pilzer board, they released a statement, too. And they kind of said um, that they were just he was elected board member in April. And when his time is up, he will step down and somebody else will take the the spot. But I mean, like when you sign that contract, I'm not sure how long he's going to be on that board till he actually steps down. Yeah, he could be there for two years and we'll, we'll yeah. <laughs> like what does that that doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense to me either. And I also thought when I was reading, and again, I don't, I don't want to minimize what he lived through as a child. But after after reading his piece and seeing all the allegations that came out, I wondered if the reason he wrote this was because he saw this coming. Um, because I'm, I was saying, I hope, and I'm pretty sure that, you know. This whole Me Too movement is scaring some people, um, especially when you know what you've done. And even if you're not aware of the extent of the damage that you've done, you know that your turn may be next. Um, And I wonder if he was like, oh, shit, it might be my turn. Like, maybe someone's going to speak up. Maybe what I've done isn't right. And he's like, I'm going to write this piece 
to kind of excuse myself and explain my story before someone comes out with their story about me. I think it was, um, in a sense, strategically planned in that way. I think it was just such perfect timing, you know, and and of, of course, as you know, and I know he knows that a lot of us um, women writers and readers and literary like lovers um, look up to him in a way, especially when it comes to um, voice of the Latinx American experience, you know, especially and even let alone like the whole Dominican Writers Association and and I think that he knew. I think he had to have known because even then I I was reading the one of the survivors um tweets cuz she tweeted about this. Uh she was talking about how in the rumor mill of the literary world this has been going on like they've known about him and his actions for many many years already. So I'm sure it was just like about time and he just played it safe. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, unfortunately, I think this does more harm for him and his story, um, because he loses so much of his credibility. Um, not to say that, you know, his story wasn't true, but because he decided to write this story and then really shortly after he was accused of doing what, you know, he said was done to him, I think he really lost credibility in his story. Definitely. And credibility in his and who he is as a writer I at least personally from my opinion as someone who read his stuff um quite frequently that outside of his general apology he has like more apologies to make right and that we need some sort of restorative or trans transformative justice here right um not only for the the survivors but also for the cycle of abuse and I think that we've this isn't a new conversation right this isn't me too has been happening but even prior to that um often we talked about sexual abuse domestic violence um and the rape culture in general in our society right and we've talked about it whether it's in mainstream media through the stories that we hear of celebrities or you know survivors just in general or in our own lived experiences or even in stories and books and all that like I think that and correct me if I'm wrong but I think that this has been such like um evident conversation happening underneath the the cloth of society and um at this point I think in this point in our like society in our culture we at least know one person or we know one person that knows of one person who has experienced this type of abuse right mm-hmm. and that's Definitely. what's tragic and that's what's tragic and I think that's what needs to change and how do like I guess my question is to just the general you know question is how do we where do we go on from here right how do we give this restorative transformative justice to not only our survivors, but to the abusers, because in my opinion, to some extent, they do need rehabilitation. They do need um, services to be able to stop abusing. And because those aren't readily available to everyone or anyone, there's like some sort of continuous damage that we're doing, right? And like, how do we even talk about, like, who do we trust now? (laughs) Does that ever cross your mind? (laughs) Well, okay. So I pulled another blurb from an article I read. Um, that kind of touches on what, what you were saying on who do we trust now. So I'm just going to read it quickly. Yeah, go ahead, please. 
Women are not magic. Latinos are not magic. Immigrants are not magic. Pulitzer Prize winners are not magic. The egalitarianism of monstrosity means that we are all, to varying degrees, wretched, while also being redeemable. That is the power of empathy blossoming into self-awareness. That is what sharing our humanity means. The briefly wondrous genius hero, it turns out, is just as human as any of us. Be disappointed in who a person has been if you must, or see a person as who he is becoming. So I think um, I'm not personally a fan of Juno Diaz. I didn't like his writing style, and I didn't like how he wrote um, about women in his books. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was much younger when I read his books, but I wasn't a fan. Um, but regardless, every time um, these allegations come up about anyone, I feel like a little piece of my heart just kind of hurts because I'm like, oh, another one, you know, and all these years, you, I don't know. I never, I've never before like looked at a man and been like, hmm, I wonder if, you know, he's an abuser. You know, I've never, I don't live my life like that, but now I see all, all this media attention on these men. And also I think they get too much media attention. I think, you know, these women should speak up and their stories should be heard, but I don't think it should be on every news outlet because they don't deserve the attention. Mm. Um, but I think this is the state, I'm pretty sure I pulled this from CNN, but I think it's pretty powerful because it kind of talks about, or I guess it brings into question where the Me Too movement is going to go. Um, when it says, be disappointed who a person has been if you must, or see a person as who he is becoming. Um, and I think this is powerful and it goes back to what you're saying about, you know, providing services for these men because they need help. Um, I I obviously don't know the psychology behind why someone would do something like this, but something has to be wrong. Um, I don't think it's innate human behavior to abuse others. Um, So something must spark it. And I just, I don't know, Brittany, do you think that a cause of this is that these men have so much power? Like, I think that in a sense, yes. Um, I think that often how abuse is portrayed, and I'm just going to speak generally from Mm -hmm. media because I thought something that we could all acknowledge to a certain extent, but I think when when I see these actions in movies or TV shows or being talked about in the media, I think that the men are often portrayed, or let me re- rephrase myself, the people often portrayed as being the abusers do it because of the power and the like I want to call it in a like an adrenaline rush but it's not that but I don't know what else to call it outside of that so like this this rush mm-hmm. of I guess excitement to be in power to be in charge to have control and with that being said I think that a lot of abusive culture and toxic culture is about control and it is about being superior and being an authority, authoritative, like, personality over those that you are abusing. And it's about ownership. So I think control is just, like, such a big factor and the the need to control. So although the abuse, I also agree with you, is not an innate characteristic in humanity, but it has become a very unconsciously mm-hmm. learned ability because we do it so often we see it so often it is so ingrained in our culture and our society that we often overlook it and we forget that it exists and we forget that 
the things that we even say or how we treat others or how we act can be um can be experienced as abuse so yes mental health resources are vital in this stage um i believe but also moving forward acknowledging the abuse from early on and incorporating a more um self-aware like culture i think would also help with that yeah and i think it's even starting small like you know those shirts that parents put their little boys in and it says boys will be boys yeah i hate that <laughs> it starts from very young like yeah that's the byproduct or the fact that we're conditioned to think that that masculinity is a toxic thing like i was talking to a friend about the whole um juno diaz thing and i was talking to them about you know just like how masculinity is toxic and masculinity is this and that and they kind of like checked me and they were just like it's so interesting to see you talk about masculinity as a bad thing because or they were telling me that um it's not necessarily that we're like the toxic parts of us doesn't necessarily mean that we're masculine it just means that we're toxic and toxicity isn't necessarily a feminine or masculine trait and so I had to check myself or she really like put me in my place in that sense and I appreciated that because often even in that sense like we're conditioned to think that being boys and being violent and you know being a tomboy even is like a masculine thing and that it brings all this toxicity and all of this violence and it's because the way we treat our males in the society right or boys like we allow them to do things and to get away with things that girls aren't allowed to get away with or do and it's just because of the constructions and in our society of both female and male characteristics it's it's so hard to think about where this is going to go in the future but i'm interested to see where the me too movement kind of it's not enough to just hashtag like you were saying before. I'm just so interested to see what the expectation is because I I feel a little bit conflicted sometimes with these things because I don't think any of these men should remain in the positions that they're in and none of them have so far. Um, but I also feel like just kind of pushing them to the side or ostracizing them isn't enough because it's not fixing the problem. And it makes them hate women even more yeah and then I also feel like even for the women who were victims I feel like it's not healthy to just no longer see this person ever I feel like part of the healing process is forgiveness even though that must be so incredibly difficult but I think it makes it even harder to forgive someone or even I don't know acknowledge their their remorse um if we just kind of beat them to a pulp and never, you know, speak of them again. Um, and then I also think that it's just an easy out for men um, or any perpetrator of sexual abuse or harassment. Uh, you know, th- the first person that comes to mind is like Matt Lauer because that was like a huge thing. I loved him. Um, and he lost his job, which is phenomenal. But then at the same time, he just gets to go off and, I mean, what, these men who are in power have so much wealth and power, even if they're not in their current roles, that what is he learning from his actions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's also part of my critique for the Me Too movement, is that calling people out is is not providing 
a relatively effective way of acknowledging the conditioning and the trauma that causes these behaviors in the first place. So it's like, yes, call them out, but now also let's put some reasonable action. Right. It should be the first step, but not the end all be all. Right. And it should be, yeah, exactly. And these big corporations who do hire um, these men who do have allegations against them, I think in a sense, and this is just coming from someone who, um, like, who views this capitalist idea, like, world and society that we live at in, and it's like the responsibility of the, the corporations, right? Like, just like we're responsible to provide for these corporations, I believe that these corporations are responsible to provide for us. One of those things being um, mental health resources. Uh, rehabilitation resources but also like when we rehire these men to make it known that they went through like um for instance I don't remember who exactly what celebrity it was that was part of the me too allegations and their first thing and their apology was that I'm in rehab I'm trying to get better Harvey Weinstein I don't know if that's who you had in mind, but when he was, they were like, the paparazzi were like attacking him as he was getting into his car and he was like, I need help and I'm seeking help for what I've done. Right. And it just also blows my mind that even after, and this is part of like the whole media portrayal and like how we handle things in the general public. Like I think it's almost childish, but I, Weinstein has continuously been the butt of every sexual harassment joke to ever exist since the moment he, um, the allegation started, regardless of his initiative to go to rehab for his addiction, right? Or for his yeah. abusive behavior. And so not to excuse, and I'm not here excusing any of the behavior of the abusers because I just I don't think that it's okay but I'm just trying to like lend a perspective it's like even when they do take that initiative what are they being told in the media that really matters nothing because they're going to be criticized and ridiculed for it regardless yep so it's really about our society and taking the conversation further and doing more and I think that often that's what we try to what most people try to do but there's always the few that are you know the faces of the movement to to kind of not help with the initiative of the changing of conversation or discourse yeah but I yeah and I just I also just want to I'm sorry I'm totally hopping around um I just want to like give a shout out to all the women who sit up for themselves and for others before this Me Too movement became a thing because there's been so many before this Me Too movement. Um, and so many women who were silenced because they didn't have the support of, you know, all these celebrities and all of this stuff. And I just, you know, they're the real heroes here. And I think too much attention is given to the men uh, in the media, but not enough attention is given in how we're going to resolve this issue and how each individual man needs help. Um, but I think we should be focusing more on the survivors than the perpetrators. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I think also our goal shouldn't be necessarily to 
just speaking overall, and I think I'm also hopping around, so I'm sorry for that, but our goal shouldn't necessarily be to, like, drag the abuser <laughs> through, like, like, drag their name in public, but to end sexual violence against women, girls, and just anyone who's ever experienced it. And in order for that to happen, right, we need to end male domination, which I believe is the the per like the cause of this abusive behavior and um yeah it's unchecked power that they've had for ever (laughs) exactly and if um and if men in our society would take a step back and not that not that that's very easy for them to do anyways but um if they would be able to take a step back and not form their hierarchy in which they abuse each other and the female we could also move away from females being this like universal dumping ground for men's toxicity and their trauma and like work towards reorganizing social and political powers in the world um, and and to just heal as like a society. Like I feel like we need so much freaking healing. It's like astonishing to me anytime I I even have like just very surface conversations and I and I'm like, you know, I've conditioned myself to like point out and just as a person who loves critiquing everything that comes out of anyone's mouth, um, I just <laughs> I just like conditioned myself to like acknowledge the abusive behavior like right on and like immediately. And um, it's just so it, I'm telling you, it's astonishing to me that so much of our culture is of this like unnoted, unknown and unrecognized abusive behavior. so we got to restore that we got to heal we got to have compassion and accountability and we have to like reconnect and help men reconnect with their empathy and be accountable for the harm that they cause and like I said that transformative and restorative justice is very much so needed and uh, we need to step away from the victimhood and victimization of women and step forward to the healing of both and all genders um, through abuse. Yeah, and I think also another important aspect, you know, a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people about this, like, what can we do? And I think another important thing is to lift up the men who are exceptional human beings, um, not because they're men, but because of how they carry themselves. And, you know, there's, I mean, I'm biased, but my dad has always been exceptional and He's always treated my mom, my sister, and myself with the utmost respect. Um, and he's never treated us, you know, if if I had a brother, like, I know he would treat us all equally. Um, and he's been an incredible example of what, you know, a partnership should be and what love should be, you know, from a man and in a relationship. And I think that transcends all of these things because I, for example, and I'm sure you, you're the same, Brittany, but like I had a phenomenal example of what to look for um, in friendships and in relationships because of my dad's example. And, you know, I'm again, super biased, but I married a phenomenal man um, who is, you know, he's 25, but he's so in touch with his emotions and he's comfortable being vulnerable, which I think is really hard to find because of, you know, how men are conditioned from birth to be like these strong, emotionless people. But I think those examples, and there, there's obviously more than just my dad and my husband, but, you know, there's men like this all over and we should be aware 
that, you know, it's not the norm and it shouldn't be the norm. And this is what, you know, what I hope when I have children, I hope this is what the norm is. You know, men like my dad and men like my husband. To kind of counter what you've just said, I think that sometimes part of, and like, just tell me what your opinion on this is, because I think this will be like good dialogue too. Sometimes I don't think it's okay to acknowledge men for doing what is expected, or not expected, but what should be like, like regular shit, you know, like, it is like, you're not supposed to be a toxic person. um, And just because you're not, you shouldn't get like, a golden star because there's many other women on this planet that are not toxic people and don't get golden stars for not being toxic you know what I'm trying to say yeah I completely get what you're trying to say but I think because of where we are in our society right now and how things have shaped up I think we have to because there is a clear distinction between you know a trustworthy respectful man and you know the sexual abuse perpetrators of the world. Um, And I think young boys need an example. You know, imagine all the young men who saw parts of themselves in Juno's writing or his personality or his persona, whatever, who now are like, oh, wow, like this man has done so much harm to women. Who are they to turn to, you know? Um, So I think sometimes, and I get what you're saying because yeah, no one should be, revered for being a decent person right um or doing you know what is correct and moral and ethical but I think in these situations we have to because there there has to be like a that bright light in like these really cloudy times yeah I I can see that um but just in all like just in general and I think this has been such a like I hope has been such an informative conversation on the actions and cycles of abuse and what often leads to it. But I think that all in all, to sum up what I want out of this Me Too movement is just for males to heal. I think um, people often either want to excuse Diaz or vilify him, right? And we need to hold both. He's, Mm -hmm. you know... He's a fellow writer, a Latinx person who um, has a history of being abusive and also being abused. And it's men like that that need the help more than anything else, right? In order for us to continue doing our healing as a society. And I just think that if you have ever been in a situation where you've been abused there's definitely like a cycle that you go within yourself about the abuse you know there's always that mourning that always that healing that always that realization or whatever it might be and I think that as a society these conversations need to be more in the surface like in the actual dialogue and general discourse but also that we need to as a society just support each other and support our our efforts to continue this healing, but at the same time acknowledge that those who have been abused and go through abuse um, have their own journey. So I hope this conversation just continuously opens um, opens a space for people to be able to support each other um, in their emotional labor um, on each other's behalf. I hope that this talk 
between Brittany and I kind of sparks, you know, some thoughts on where the Me Too movement can go because I think it's our responsibility to take it further uh, than just a hashtag um, and create, you know, long-lasting change and providing services for the men and the women who have done harm onto others. Uh, and then also, you know, provide healing for the women and the men who are victims of sexual violence or sexual harassment. Um, there are so many resources out there. So if anyone is listening and is struggling, uh, I hope you know that you're not alone. And I think this movement has really created a community for all victims. So thank you so much for listening in. Um, be sure to leave us a review if you liked it. Uh, subscribe so you can be in the know as to when we post. Um, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Know Now Podcast. Thanks so much.